Thank you. All right. There's a mitzvah in this week's Torah portion that goes like this. If you build a home and you have a flat roof, Torah says to put a fence around your roof so that no one should fall off your roof and no one should, no one should get hurt from your home. So what about the Beis HaMikdash? Does the Beis HaMikdash need to have a fence or not? So the Sifri says, the word bias, house, comes to include the house of the Beis HaMikdash and also has to have a fence. The question is this though, that's what it says in the, in the uh, Sifri, the Minchas Chinuch asks a question, the law is that in a synagogue you are um, uh, exempt from uh, having a fence. So why is the main synagogue of Jewish people, the Beis Migdash, why is that the one that is obligated in having a fence? If a regular synagogue, the Torah says, Gagecha, your, your roof, but not the roof of a synagogue. So why is the Beis Migdash different than a regular synagogue? A regular synagogue is not considered your roof, it's considered um, not a privately owned thing, not considered obligated in this fence. Why is the house of all the Jewish people, why is it obligated in a, um, in a fence? So the Tzavnas Paneach, the Rogat Shavagoyen, he explains it this way. He says that um, the rule was that when the base finish was built, it wasn't originally holy. They would build it with non-consecrated material, with things which weren't yet sanctified as being holy. So that if, well, during the building process, if someone leaned against something and he had benefit from it, it wouldn't be considered like he went against the Torah because it wasn't yet holy. They would first make it out of unholy material and then they would sanctify it. The money would be holy, the people donated for the Beis HaMikdash and then they would transfer the holiness of the money onto the Beis HaMikdash. But originally when it was made, it wasn't holy. So that's why the Raga Chavagoyen says, that's why the Beis HaMikdash is obligated to have a, uh, a uh, fence because it wasn't originally made to be holy. That's what he says. The problem though is, like, is this. The, the reason why a, a um, synagogue is exempt is not because of its holiness. Um, it's, it, or let's say more. Let's say you have a home which wasn't meant to be a synagogue and you converted it into a synagogue. Would it be obligated in a fence around the roof, a mica. The answer is, although it wasn't originally holy, but now it became a shul, it would no longer require the fence. It wouldn't require it. So that shows, that unlike the way the Raghachavar is saying, that if it was made originally not holy, it's not obligated, it's not true. By a synagogue, if it was originally not made as a synagogue and it became a synagogue, it's still not obligated in this fence. And the question is, why is the um, base Midrash different? Why is it required to make a fence around the base Midrash? So Rashi says two explanations of why a synagogue is exempt from this fence. Explanation number one is that the synagogue doesn't really have any owner. The synagogue isn't just the owner of the people of a community. The synagogue is also able to be visited by Jews around the world. A Jew comes from any visitors today from Alaska, 
And he's able to walk into our synagogue. Why? He doesn't belong to anyone specific in our community. He belongs to any Jew who wants to come. So since the synagogue um, doesn't have a uh, real owner, therefore it's not obligated in a, um, in a uh, fence because it's, there's no specific owner you can point to and say that he is obligated to, to, to put it up. Who's obligated? Who is unobligated? There's no one specific. Because there's no direct owner. But it's still um, not fully satisfying this explanation because what's, the Torah says this. Let's say um, um, you have partners who have a home together. They bought a home together. You can't point to one of them and say, you're the owner. They're both the owner. And the Torah says, despite the fact that there's no specific owner, they're obligated to make the fence. So, so the, um, the synagogue is indeed unique in the fact that it is, um, doesn't have a specific owner and therefore you can't obligate one specific person. Unlike when two people buy a house, you know they're the owners. Um, but the, um, this wouldn't help us understand why the Beis HaMikdash is different. Um, why isn't the Beis HaMikdash also no specific owner? So the answer is this. The Beis HaMikdash actually has a specific owner. How? When, first of all, the place of the Beis HaMikdash, the real estate has a specific owner, and also the temple itself, the home itself that was built, has a specific owner. Who is the owner of the Beis HaMikdash? So, it says that David HaMelech, when he built, when he bought the home, he bought the area of the Beis HaMikdash, he bought it from Rav Yavusi, and he collected money from every tribe. Everyone participated in it. So, the um, the way that everyone participates in this in this um, in this endeavor is that they all have some ownership in it. They all are considered owners. All the Jews are owners. They all are equal owners. Everyone's an owner of the Beis Hamikdash. Um, and more, the actual building the Beis Hamikdash also is something that all the Jewish people participated in. Just like when the Jews were traveling in the desert. <clears throat> all the Jews, men, women, and children, they all gave of what they had to build the te- mobile temple, the Mishkan. So it was likely that everyone participated in building the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, um, you cannot say that there's no owner. On the contrary, Beis HaMikdash is like a partnership of all the Jewish people. It's a jointly owned place. All the Jewish people ever participated in it. And therefore, it is owned by everybody. But there's another reason why a synagogue is exempt from this fence. The other answer, reason given is, is that you only need to make a fence if there's a, someone lives there. No one lives in a synagogue. Therefore, the synagogue is exempt from the fence because no, no one lives there. But the Beis English also would seem no one lives in, Beis, lives in the Beis English either. So the, even though the first reason we explained doesn't apply. The first reason to the Beis Hamikdash doesn't apply because the Beis Hamikdash does have a owner. It's owned by all the Jewish people. Okay, unlike the synagogue, which um, has no owner, the Jewish people all together collectively invested in the synag- in the Beis Hamikdash, and therefore they're all co-owners of this house. They're all partners in it. But what about the second reason? Rashi says, and the Rambam only brings a second reason. For him, this is the primary reason, the only reason that is is pertinent according to Jewish law. 
The reason is, you only need to build a fence when there's a home, there's no one living there. So how come the base of Mikdash has to have a fence when there's no one living there? So the answer is, we know in the laws of sukkah, the, the Torah says you have to live in the sukkah. What's the main thing you do in the sukkah that highlights that you are living there? That, 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 what's the main way to fulfill the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah? The main way is by eating in the sukkah. Since you eat in the sukkah, so therefore the sukkah is considered like your home. That's the main thing. You have a question? No. Okay. So by the base of Mikdash also, they ate in the base of Mikdash. The Kohanim ate their sacrifices in the base of Mikdash. Since they ate the sacrifices in the base of Mikdash, so therefore it has a status as a home. And even though the different parts of the base of Mikdash, the place that had the fence was, was the Hechel, the holier part. The place they had the sacrifices was the courtyard, the less holier part. So it seems that uh, the, um, the uh, fence isn't in the place of the home. But still, although technically the place you're supposed to eat it is in the courtyard, since sometimes you were allowed to and you had to eat it in the holier place, since you could sometimes in certain situations, it is considered like a home. Well, if that's true, the Rebbe asks, what about a synagogue? In certain situations, it's a leader allowed to eat in a synagogue too. So if you're allowed to eat in a synagogue, why is the synagogue considered a home? So Rebbe makes a distinction like this. He says a synagogue, the reason why you're allowed to eat in a synagogue is because it's considered a temporary thing. It's not considered a permanent usage of the synagogue. You had to eat because of something that happened. There was an event there. There was a kiddush there. There was something you had to eat. But it's not the primary thing that's done in the synagogue. However, in the Beis HaMikdash, the sacrifices were a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to eat the sacrifices in the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, it is considered a um, primary usage of the Beis HaMikdash. Unlike the synagogue, where eating in the synagogue is considered something that's done temporarily, that's why it's okay, it's, it's allowed, because it's a temporary thing. In the Beis HaMikdash, why is it allowed? It's because it's a mitzvah. Since a mitzvah, so then it is considered like a permanent thing. Because a mitzvah, by the virtue of the fact that Hashem commanded you to eat this sacrifice, that's what makes it to be considered a, um, a um, holy place. It's considered like your home. Hashem is telling you, you need to eat here. You have to eat here. You're supposed to eat here. So since, since it's a mitzvah to eat there, not just to eat in the Azara, but sometimes to eat in the Kodesh, in the Heichal, since it's a mitzvah to eat there as well, so therefore, it, 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 it does confer a status of a home because you, it's not just you happen to eat there, there's a, a mitzvah to eat there. Because it's a mitzvah, it makes it into a, a, um, like a, a permanent place of eating. So, um, so this basically is the answer. So we explained why is a base of English have to have this fence. It's because it is a home why isn't it exempt because it has no owner? It's like, no, it has an owner. All those people are co-owners. It's a partnership that we all have in the base of English. So that explains it according to Nigla, according to, whoops, according to the revealed understanding of Torah. Looking at it from the exoteric perspective. Yeah. Once it's made into a shul, it does not have a fence. 
once it's made into shulchan, it doesn't, it doesn't need to have a fence. So, so the, what's the spiritual meaning of all this? Spiritual meaning of all this is this. The idea of a roof, spiritually, represents arrogance. Gaiva. Chassidus says that arrogance is a source of all evil. Ich is a Hebrew, is a Yiddish word for I. And as a previous service said, Ich is mokar kominira. The I is a source of all evil. It makes sense because, it's logical, because since what makes you put yourself first instead of putting what's important first? Because you feel yourself being more important. So arrogance is a source of all evil. So building a roof means that there's a problem, there's arrogance. What do you do about your arrogance? Torah says you need to limit your arrogance. You need to stop it. You can't let it spread and spread. Why? Because if you do, what's going to happen? Torah says, maybe someone will walk on your roof and they'll fall off. So spiritually, that means maybe your arrogance will hurt somebody. Because of your arrogance, you're going to cause someone else to hurt them spiritually. And even though the Torah says the other person may have uh, had their own problems, you said something with arrogance. You should have spoken from your heart. But you should have helped build, build other person's temple, build their home. You're trying to build another person's home. You're trying to build them. But it could be because of the uh, spiritual deficiencies that you have, your arrogance, you, instead of helping them, you hurt them. But let's say they were 100% okay. They had no They were fully um, holy. They wouldn't get so derailed by your, your arrogance. It's, it seems to be their own problem that led to their spiritual demise, their spiritual... Um, damage. You can't blame you completely. The Torah actually mentions this concern. The Torah says you should put a, a fence around your roof so that the faller shall not fall from it. It doesn't say so the person should not fall from it. But the faller should not fall from it. That means although this guy has his own issues and he is a faller, he is someone who is going to fall somehow, but you have to make an effort that he shouldn't fall because of your house. He may fall spiritually. He has his own issues. He's already a noifel. He's already falling. And yet, you have to make sure that your arrogance isn't going to contribute to their... It's not going to hurt them. You have to put a fence around your roof, a fence around your arrogance, so that when you try to build this other person, you don't hurt them. The, um, I was once speaking about the acronym for the word tank. The uh, mitzvah tank that goes out and encourages Jews to put on tefillin and the mitzvahs. Sebe spoke about going on the offensive, having a tank to spread Judaism. They also said that the word tank in Hebrew is an acronym for three parts of the Mishnah. Tank stands for Tares, Nezikin, Kachim. Tares means purity, Nezikin means damage, Kachim means holiness. Sebe said in order to affect someone, if you're going to reach out to someone because of what you want to have you want to satisfy your own conscience and therefore you're trying to help, therefore reaching out to them. It's not about them, it's about you because you want to feel better about yourself. Then Nazikin, you're going to cause damage to them. But if you go, Taris, you purify yourself, then not only will you not cause damage to them, on the contrary, you'll transform to become Kachim, help them become holy. So here the situation is, the other person, the Torah says, the guy who falls off your roof, he would have fallen off someone else's roof, it wasn't yours, he was meant to die. And so too spiritually. He must have his own issues if your arrogance set him off. However, the Torah says, 
you have to put a fence around your roof. You have to make sure that your arrogance, that your gaiva, that your sense of self is not going to be abrasive in a way that hurts the other person. You have to put, you have a mitzvah to put a fence on your home, on your home. The other guy, if he was perfect, like Rameyer, what does the Torah say? Rameyer was someone who learned from the wicked, most, the worst sinners of Israel. He learned from Acher. How do you do it? Talmud says. He was able to eat the fruit and throw away the peel. The other guy's not in that level. So it seems he has his issues too. Nevertheless, the Torah says, you have to make a, a fence around your roof to, to limit your arrogance. As a famous story, the Mitzvah Rebbe, Mitzvah Rebbe had a chassid who was brilliant. And the Middle Rebbe instituted that whenever you travel, you have to stop off and share the chassidus you learned in the city of Lubavitch. You're going home, not going home by yourself. You got to go and share what you know with everyone. All right, this guy who was so gifted, he would go and travel all these cities and everyone would gather to hear him. They knew this guy was good at this. And everyone was like, wow, this guy's amazing. The Middle Rebbe didn't just say chassidus for an hour or two hours as other Rebbes did. The Rebbe said it usually was about an hour, uh, the previous Rebbe uh, longer. And the middle Rebbe said Chassidus was sometimes 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 hours once. So, so this guy was memorizing the whole thing. It was unbelievable. So, um, so he told the middle Rebbe that he gets arrogance from, from the repeating the words of Chassidus. Everyone's like saying, what a smart guy you are. So Mithra Rebbe said, you should become an onion, but you should say Chassidus. That means that just like an onion is itself, you don't eat the onion by itself. You use the onion to season food. So the Mithra Rebbe said, don't worry about what's happening to you spiritually. You should worry about what you're giving taste to other people. If they worry about what you're contributing, you're giving taste to them. That's the, that's the focus. So too, you're trying to build, the Torah says, a person might say, well, I don't want to even deal with anybody else. Because I have a problem with arrogance, I'll just stay in my own corner, and I don't want to hurt anybody, so I just will stay away. I won't hurt anyone, and I won't help anyone, I'll just stay away. The Torah says, no, kisiv nebayiz chadash. You have to build a home. You have to build a home, and it's important to build a home, and not just your own home. If you're living in this, you, every person has an obligation to reach out to others. What about your arrogance? Put a, put a fence around your arrogance. But you cannot say, oh, I'm just going to be satisfied with my own self. And this is the difference between the synagogues, which don't require a fence, and the Beis HaMiklash, which does require a fence. What are synagogues? Synagogues are primarily places where everyone advances spiritually on their own. Everyone prays in the synagogue. Everyone learns Torah in the synagogue. It's about their own personal service of Hashem that we do together, but it's about our own service of Hashem. However, what's the Beis HaMiklash about? The Beis HaMikdash is not about personal service. It's about making the world a home for Hashem. That's why, what's the, one, one of the main mitzvahs in the Beis HaMikdash? Eating. It's a mitzvah to eat in the Beis HaMikdash. Why? By eating the sacrifices, the Torah says, the Chassidus explains that you ate one sacrifice, and by eating that one sacrifice, you, enter, and you elevate the whole animal kingdom. And, you, and the Beis HaMikdash, you lit the menorah, you just light up the menorah. The windows in the Beis HaMikdash were made in a way to, not to bring light inwards, but spread light outwards. So the Beis HaMikdash was about bringing the holiness of Hashem to the whole world. It was about being a source of holiness, a source of light for the entire world. So since the Beis HaMikdash was about making the world a home for Hashem, so when is it pertinent? To, when is, what, what do we care about? We care about that your arrogance shouldn't hurt someone else. So therefore, since the synagogue is about your personal advancement, your own personal service of Hashem, 
So that there, the time was so important. It's not a mitzvah. It's not an obligation to put a fence around your um, arrogance. However, when we're talking about the Beis Hamikdash, we're talking about the impact you have on others. Then it's very important. The Torah says you must, you have to make a uh, fence around the um, around the Beis Hamikdash, around the roof of Beis Hamikdash, so that your your mitzvah, your Torah, doesn't adversely hurt um, someone else. There's another point over here about a mic I wanted to share, which is this. There is a um, there is a bracha that said when you make a mic, when you build this fence, you say the bracha to bless you Hashem who has commanded us to build a fence. The question is, you don't make a bracha when you look two ways before crossing the street. Whatever you do to protect your health, you don't make a bracha. So how come here this is seemingly about protecting your health? It's protecting the health of people on, on your, on your, in your property. So why is it that there is a bracha instituted for this endeavor of, um, of making a mica, making this fence? So you might want to answer, well, there are different ways of protecting your roof. You could protect your roof by making it, um, making it as a slope so no one will go on the roof and, and walk on it. You could protect your um, people by making your roof lower, so therefore it's not so high, people will fall off of it. You, there's many, you can make the ground around your roof higher. There's not, it's not only one way to protect people. Since it's not only one way, there's many ways of protecting people from falling off your roof. Therefore, if you specifically made a um, fence, you say a bracha. That's what you might want to answer. But that Rebbe is not satisfied with, it, with his answer. Practically, any way you choose to protect yourself, you don't say a bracha. Any way you choose. So therefore, why is it that, the, um, that we say a bracha here? The answer is, the Torah lists two commandments from the one verse in the Sixth Torah portion. The verse in the Sixth Torah portion has two phrases. It says, make a uh, fence around your roof. Do not put blood in your home. Because a person may fall. Now, don't put blood in your home, it seems, is a reason for making the, making the roof, making the fence. But the Ramam says, a general rule, that a reason for a mitzvah is never listed as a mitzvah itself. And here, Ramam lists two mitzvahs. One mitzvah lists, make a fence around your home. A second mitzvah lists, don't put blood in your home. So since the Ramam mentions the, um, a, as a separate mitzvah to to not, that no one should fall, no one sh- should, there should not be blood in your home. That's separate. It's a diff- it's a, it is a positive commandment to make a roof. It's a, neg- a fence. It's a negative commandment, don't put blood in your home. So that's clear. It's not a, the same mitzvah. It's two different mitzvahs. It's not a reason for the mitzvah. Since it's not the reason for the mitzvah, there's something independent about it, therefore a blessing is instituted. Because it's not only about protecting your health, it has its own value, intrinsic value, other than... Um, Causing, uh, protecting someone from falling. We see this in fact. The Torah lists as two mitzvahs. What's the spiritual meaning of the uh, uh, of this this message? Ebbe says this: building a home means also expanding your borders. Everyone in life, different stages of life, which allows them to, uh, to go to a new place. Let's say getting married, building a home home. And marriage has new challenges you didn't have when you were single. 
And so too, and Hashem gives you new opportunities in your business, new opportunities every day. When you leave the synagogue, you're leaving the synagogue, you're going into a foreign entity, a foreign territory, to uh, bring Hashem's holiness, like a home for Hashem, wherever you're, wherever you're going. So in this endeavor of making a home for Hashem, of reaching out, of going beyond your borders, building a new home, Torah says you need to know something. Whenever Hashem grants you a new opportunity, with this opportunity there are new challenges. And because there are new challenges, you need to protect yourself. Whenever Hashem gives you a new opportunity, this requires you to put yourself in check. We know before Shoshana, you're supposed to take upon yourself a new mitzvah, a new hider, to be more careful in the new mitzvah. A new light comes to the world every year. So um, in order to connect to this new light, we're supposed to take, accept upon ourselves to keep something we didn't keep before. This new stringency that we have in, in, in keeping the Torah, that connects us to this new light. In a similar way, in order to get the Hashem's assistance in whatever you're doing, the new endeavor you're trying to do, you need to, to put, you need to put a, a new fence around your home. So what does that mean practically? That, I'm just thinking, thinking about someone who told me that they were given a new, a new job, a new position, and it challenges them. And it's true that every new position you're in is going to challenge you. And every day when you leave, your, leave the synagogue to go out in the world, it's also a challenge. The Torah says, put a fence around them. You need, to, you need to upgrade your walls. You need to upgrade yourself before, before this new endeavor. You're going to get married, so you have to ask yourself, what am I doing differently spiritually to protect my spirituality and keep it intact as I go into this new, new expansion of my horizons? And every day when you're leaving the synagogue too, you have to say to yourself, what am I doing to make sure that I stay and I focus on where I'm supposed to go? So this is the idea of making a fence around your roof and that's how Hashem gives, gives us the power, the blessing. We say a blessing before making this fence. The idea of saying a blessing is to draw the Hashem's light in your, in your, to draw the Hashem's assistance in what you're doing. How you draw the Hashem's assistance is by making this new decision, this new addition to your Judaism. And how tall does this fence have to be? This fence has to be at least 10 tefachim high. Tefach is a measurement. And ten tefachim represents the ten powers of the soul. That by making a decision to add in something spiritually, when going out in the world, by, by Hashem opens your door to do something more, by making a decision to add something spiritually, that allows all of your ten soul powers to be intact, and to be able to achieve Hashem's desire, to make this world a home for Hashem, and to uh, cause the light of Hashem to spread to the whole world, to, to cause the time of fulfillment of the prophecy of Hashem, about the coming of Mashiach, that the glory of Hashem will be revealed and the whole world will see Hashem's glory. How do we get there? It's every day, you know, whatever we're doing, make a gemaiko, make a, make a, we protect ourselves, we add something spiritually in, in um, something we haven't done before. That's what we bring Hashem's assistance. That's what we bring Hashem's bracha. We say a bracha on the mic. That addition, that fence, that extra, extra thing that we're doing beyond what we did before. Any questions or comments? Shkayach, shkayach. Ah,